Welcome to the Toxin Terminator, helping people to restore and renew their health by removing the toxins from the home and their lives. Join in as industry thought leaders help you understand the physical and emotional effects these products can have on you and your family, and the safe alternatives you can use to remove the hidden toxins for renewed health. Now, please welcome your host, the Toxin Terminator herself, Amy Carlson. And welcome, hello today. I am so excited. We have got the creator of Don't Waste the Crumbs. Now listen, I hear you guys loud and clear. Everybody's talking about how expensive it is to be healthy. And we are going to debunk that myth today on the show. We have got the creator of Don't Waste the Crumbs. She also has a grocery budget boot camp. She has a 31-day challenge to frugal natural living. Um, she and her family became debt-free within two years. So I think she's got a little bit of history here and why she can teach what she does. She's going to also tell us about her four main pillars of eating real food on a real budget. Tiffany Turzak is our guest today, and we're so glad to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Amy. You bet. So tell me how, I mean, because nobody just wakes up and says, hey, I think I want to learn how to eat on a, on a budget. I, you know, did your journey start in, with food? Is that how your journey into a kind of a healthier lifestyle started? It did start with food. And it's funny when you say no one wakes up because that's, that's exactly what did not happen with us. We did not wake up one day and say, hey, let's start eating healthy. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it evolved over um, trying to save money in general. And we were in a, so much debt. And when we looked at our household income and where our money was going, we noticed that several line items are not flexible. Like you can't, change your mortgage from day to day. You can't change your car payment from day to day. Um, but you can change how much you spend on food. So that's kind of where the ball started was we just capped how much we spent and then decided, let's see if we can wiggle this number a little bit and maybe spend a little less to save a little more. And we did that for a little while. And I grew up with my parent. My dad's a chef but he works very long hours. So growing up, he was not the one at home cooking dinner. So for everybody else. Um, <laughs> but my mom relied heavily on processed foods, the type of dinners that say, just add water, just add a can of this. So um, that's what I started cooking when we got married. I didn't know any difference. My husband grew up on five acres and his dad has this huge garden. So he grew up with a little bit of the processed food but a whole lot more of garden food. Fresh food. And so I was learning how to coupon and I'm like, you know, quarter here and quarter there because it all adds up. And then one day he says to me, do you think we can start eating real food? And I was like, oh, this is food. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't know. I really had no clue like, what we were eating, how it was different from real food. And he was like, the food that grows from the ground. Like <laughs> he gave me an example and I'm like, well, like I, maybe, like, I don't, I guess, let me look into it. And so I started doing some research and wrapped my head around what real food was and went back to him. And I was like, 
you know, this is kind of pricey, right? <laughs> and you know that we're on a budget, right? <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, do you think we can make it work? And so at the time, our grocery budget was $300 for four people. Granted, two of those mouths were teeny tiny. But they were diapers. And so our budget included diapers. And I was like, well, I, I don't know, because you know, diapers are not cheap. Right. Give it a go. <laughs> yeah. And about five to six months later, I mean, there's obviously some trial and error going on there. But about within six months, we figured out how to fill our home and our kitchen table with healthy, clean eating food and not rely on boxes, not rely on just add anything um, and not pay any more than we were before. Wow. That to me, I mean, because I'm feeding two people and uh, just my husband and I, and we eat, you know, whole foods. And so I, I'm taking notes today. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back because, you know, we're the toxin terminator here. And did did you guys have, was it all money related in terms of we want to do this within the budget or did you have any health issues or health concerns? Or now was it that I've got two new lives here that I'm Mm -hmm. responsible for? Did you have anything like that in the back of the minds when you were making these decisions too? Not at the beginning. At the beginning, it was, it really truly was, it was money. We lived in California, which if any of your listeners are from California, you know that the cost of living is a lot. Mm -hmm. A single income family. And our goal was to one day pay cash for a house. We, you know, like I said, we were in tons of debt and we really didn't want to take on the mortgage. So we were willing to wait. So we really focused on the numbers at first. Once we were able to switch over from processed food or the standard American diet to whole foods eating, then we could kind of manipulate the quality of the food, so to speak. We were able to be like, okay, we we figured out how to make this work. Now, how can we make organics work? How can we make grass-fed work? And where do we put our attention? And so that's kind of where we are now is we're in the refining process. But at the beginning, it was it was straight up money. <laughs> <laughs> get, it, get it done. So uh, another interesting thing that you said when you were um, telling your story is that you grew up with meals coming out of a box, which is my growing up as well. Uh, well, beyond the age of 10, that was my growing up too. So, and you identified that as being real food versus your husband who grew up on a farm and garden was the real food. I find that really interesting. And I'm wondering if you do too, when you're working with people, the misconception of what real food really is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I actually just started uh, something within my brand called Clean Eating Club, and it helps people get started eating real food because my, I've been blogging now, uh, you know, as of this recording over seven, oh no, coming up on eight years. And there's tons of content on the blog, but I realized that people need a little bit more handholding. They need a little more direction. Like I really need the step-by-step. And so that's where the club comes into play. And we encourage a 75% of your diet being plants. So there's nothing wrong with animals, but we want a lot more plants. And when I ask some people to share their meals or when they're just getting started, they're, they're on fire and they point to pictures where it's big bowls of pasta 
with like this tiny, maybe like three peas in the corner <laughs> and like a big piece of, I, I don't know, garlic or beef on the side or something. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's clean. And I'm like, it's, it's hard because they, we, I think we as a society just are very out of touch with where our food comes from. And we're all busy and we're all pressed for time. And so we, I'm trying to think of the, the nicest way to say this, we have good intentions, but we sometimes choose the wrong shortcut. Right. So we're leaning towards like these healthy packaged items and frozen things that are, you know, supposed to be natural or even organic because there is such a thing as organic junk food <laughs> and that's not better for you. Um, so, so yeah, I think there's a big misconception as to what real food actually is. And it takes a lot of retraining of the brain and retraining of our cooking, real training of our, or sorry, retraining of our shopping. It's almost like you have to start completely over because the foundation has been wrong the whole time. Right, exactly. So that clean eating club is a great um, program for people who don't know or where to even start mm-hmm. because you know you know as well as I do when we're helping people make changes in their lives they they got to know where to start what to do kind of have that checklist to go down absolutely uh, that is fantastic um, another thing when we were talking about real food it's water oh my word you know when I ask people how much water they drink a day and they start telling me and I'm like okay, where's your water coming from? And, you know, well, it's, you know, I'm drinking my coffee and I have my tea and it's like, no, I'm, I'm talking water. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Water is so important. It's one of those things that, um, well, I'm sure you know that hunger can manifest as, I'm sorry, thirst can manifest as hunger. So a lot of times we think we're hungry, we're actually thirsty. And then drinking water is one of those things where if you don't, until you drink enough water, you don't realize that you're not drinking enough. Right. It's, it's so strange. Like the benefits of drinking water are tremendous, but you actually have to drink it <laughs> to get there. And it's not until you do it and then you maybe cut back or you're on vacation or your schedule is a little wonky and you miss your water where you're like, well, oh, that's right. Why do I not feel good? It's my water. It's exactly. And I'm learning. In fact, I'm just I just am learning about structured water. Um, I don't know if you've learned more about that, because when we filter our water out so that we're getting all the heavy metals and chlorine and fluoride and all the things that we don't want in our water source, we're also removing a lot of the minerals out of it. Mm -hmm. So um, many times when we're drinking that, you know, reverse osmosis and that really filtered water, we're just, it's just kind of running right through us. It's, it's not really hydrating the body. So when we have structured water, we add minerals back in to mm-hmm. our water source. Now it's doing its job and you can really start telling a difference. Um, yes. Seven years into my journey, it's like, <laughs> who knew? I know. <laughs> it's always learning. Always. Always, always. So, um, so you, okay. So you started back and it was all about, we've got to be within this budget and mm-hmm. then it's learning how to, okay. So we're getting the food, but now we're kind of refining it down. So walk us through that process of, you know, how you went from the package, like 
boxes of mac and cheese, you know, mm-hmm. to the, the, you know, good ways of cooking? Yeah. So, um, well, there was a lot of internet research, <laughs> a lot of research, a lot of rabbit trailing, a lot of, uh, a lot of overwhelm mm-hmm. and not really knowing where to start. And then there was just one day where I was like, like, forget it all. Like I, I pretty much just turned off everybody else and said, I have to start somewhere. So my starting point was looking for anything that contained two seriously harmful ingredients. And that is hydrogenated oils and high fructose corn syrup. Those two, in all my research, they kept popping up over and over and over again. And uh, I just kind of started paying attention to labels, reading them, reading the ingredients. And I realized that if I eliminated those two toxins from my kitchen, I was by default eliminating a lot of other harmful toxins as well without really having to put the, the brain energy towards them. And, and that's okay. So, so just a, a note for your readers, when you're getting started, it is overwhelming. And there are times where you like, you just don't want to do it. It's, it's too much, too much brain. It feels like too much time. And so for me, when I cut out the hydrogenated oils and high fructose corn syrup and everything else, kind of, I don't want to say everything else, a lot of other things fell by the wayside as well. I was like, this is a huge win. So we went through the whole kitchen, the whole kitchen, <laughs> everything came out. We read every single label. I distinctly remember my kids were little at the time. I want to say uh, two and four, three and five, somewhere in there. I had two kids. And I pulled everything out and it was all on the floor in the kitchen. And if you have little ones, you know that this is like their playground. Oh, this is a game. <laughs> oh, yes. And they're like, mom, can we help? <laughs> and, and I was like, sure. And so anything that had those two ingredients immediately went in the trash can. Immediately. Unless there's one caveat. Unless it was something I knew for a fact we ate on a very regular basis. And I'll explain that in a second. So I involved the kids, gave the whatever contaminated item. And we're talking like saltine crackers, salad dressings. Uh, oh my gosh, so many snacks, cake mixes. It's These two ingredients are in so many foods. Your mind is blown as to where they are. And so the kids were in charge of throwing them in the trash can. We went through lots of trash bags that day. <laughs> and then once we were left with a mostly clean kitchen with a, few, with a few exceptions that we had left, my next step was, well, what about these last pieces of food? Like uh, graham crackers was one of them. And if you have kids, you know, kids love graham crackers. But I, didn't, I wasn't in a place where I could give them up because I didn't know what to do next. Right. And that, that, like, that's just a real thing. You know, it's not, sometimes it's not an all or nothing. Sometimes we have to find a concession place so that we can still make forward progress. And so the forward progress for me was getting rid of all the other stuff and keeping the graham crackers and saying, okay, well, when this box is gone, what am I going to do next? And it kind of gave me a little bit of wiggle room or, or even like I was able to bide my time, so to speak, and postpone actual switching out of the graham crackers. Um, and I was able to find some healthier alternatives for the kids instead. And, um, and we just kind of did that with everything else that was left in the kitchen. So it wasn't, um, 
so painful in the day-to-day of what to feed for breakfast, what to make for dinner, what about snacks? I still had something, um, but the vast majority of the bad stuff was gone. Oh, and I think that is so key that um, we all need to understand is that it doesn't have to be that all or nothing, you know, take on everything. It's always just a, a step forward in the right direction. So thanks for sharing Absolutely. that. Oh yeah, I firmly believe that. Even the teeniest, tiniest of steps, as long as they're going in the right direction, they're progress. Yes. So the, the moms who are, uh, who are pregnant, who just had babies, if you're going through a season of, you know, caring for parents as we all get older or a season of loss, like there are seasons that are just harder. And sometimes our energy is focused outside of the home and outside of our immediate family for an extended period of time. And in those instances, it's okay to put the pause button on major things. Like that's not the time to learn how to make sourdough. (laughs) Like not the time to learn how to master, you know, fermentation or kombucha or any of those other super fun things. This is a time where you just you just focus on the basics and you just maintain status quo. And then when you're back, you keep taking those small steps. Absolutely. I love that. I'm coming up on one of those. Well, in real time, I'm coming up on one of those. My mom's having a surgery and oh, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be living with my parents for about a month to, to help with the recovery for that. So, oh. so hydrogenated oil and high fruct- uh, fructose corn syrup. I love that. Um, and I, and I, I had to giggle when you were talking about reading labels because I look in my I think about my kitchen now, and I don't know that there's much in there that there's a label on anymore. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. As time goes on, there are fewer and fewer things that have labels in our kitchen. Um, One thing we learned in the Clean Eating Club is, uh, you know, depending on where you live too, will will influence greatly the types of foods you're able to buy. Um, But one of our members found sugar in canned diced tomatoes. Some, like something you would never think twice, right? Most families use canned diced tomatoes of some sort, especially in the winter when you're not gonna get a really great tomato anyway. Um, and she found, she found sugar. And it's, it's understandable to find uh, maybe a couple preservatives because it's a canned item. Um, but it's surprising that even when you think you're buying something that either doesn't have a label or a minimal label, or it shouldn't have anything added to it, it's still so important to read it when you buy it because you just don't know. Yeah. In, in a lot of the canned goods, um, sugar and potassium, so or excuse me, not potassium, sodium are, are mm-hmm. two of the really big numbers. And then watch the per serving you know, to see yeah. the concentration of it that's in there as yeah. well. Oh my gosh. Gosh, I know. <laughs> it's like, why is that there? Um, there yeah, t- a, a tomato does not need any added sugar because we don't want it to be sweet. Uh, no. Well, it's sweet enough on its own. Exactly, exactly. So you got rid of those two things. So then as you're bringing in, I'm assuming a lot more fresh produce. Mm-hmm. That's where, in my mind, that grocery ticker starts going up and up and up. So what, what are your tips there? Yeah, so um, when it comes to affording produce, my, my go-to is always the, the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. 
So if you're going to start eating organic, start with that list. It's a great place. Um, for those who don't know, the Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 is a list published every year by the Environmental Working Group. And it's basically a rating of, on a scale, of foods that have the most residue from pesticides with foods that have the least. So you can always start there. It's a great place. Um, another place to start would be uh, foods that have the thicker skins that you're not going to eat anyway, like an orange or a watermelon. Um, those, and I, so I should back up a second and say, there's no right or wrong way to approach this, um, depending on your needs. So if your needs are finance needs, then you're going to approach it differently than from a family whose needs are health reasons. So like, it's just really important to me that I say that because I've had, I've had students come to me who say, well, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. Or I'm not doing it like she's doing it. Does that make me wrong? And we have to remember that every family is different. We all live in different places. We all have, um, we were created differently. We all have different needs. We all have different budgets. And so there's no one size fits all approach. So with that said, um, if you if you don't like the Dirty Dozen or the Clean 15, or for whatever reason it's not working for you, another option is the thick skin, thin skin idea. Uh, if you're going to eat the skin, you might want to lean towards the organic. If you're not going to eat the skin, you can lean towards the conventional. And then a third option would be, what do you eat a lot of? Yeah. So this, this would be the people who eat apples every single day, but maybe you only eat zucchini once a month. So then that would be a, like a priority. Your priority should go towards the apples because you're consuming more apples. So I would look at the organic variety of apples there and maybe the conventional variety of zucchini, even though you eat the skin of zucchini, but you're only eating it once a month. So the amount of pesticides or toxins that you're taking into your body would be significantly less by default, simply because you're not eating very much of it. Right, right. I love those three um, options. And is this kind of, because I guess I, I might have detoured you here in, no, no, you're okay. in, in your journey, but is that kind of where you went? Okay, so now we've got rid of, you know, these things with the labels on them and, and some of the bad things that we're looking at. And then did you start figuring out, okay, now I need to find out, you know, what is important for us to have organic, non-organic, and, and then I think, um, sometimes the next step becomes I'm buying all this produce, but I don't mm. know what to do with it when I got it home and then it rots in my <laughs> fridge. So do you have tips for people on number one? Well, obviously you have meal planning, which is I think critical, but number two, Absolutely. how do we wash and keep that produce that will last the, the ultimate you know, time frame for us? Sure. So um, if you go to my blog, don'twastethecrumbs.com, there is an all natural, there's actually several options for all natural produce washes. You can use a variation using Castile soap. You can use apple cider vinegar. You can use lemon essential oil, whatever you have, whatever your budget allows. You know, Castile soap is cheap. Apple cider vinegar is cheap. You can make your own apple cider vinegar using peels and cores from apples that you're already buying. And that's on the blog as well. So you really can do it for just pennies. Um, I highly recommend when people are making their meal plans to be very strategic and intentional about it with the 
produce. So to answer your question of like washing the produce and then making sure it lasts, you want to eat the produce that's going to go bad first earlier in the week. And then the produce that's going to last a little bit longer towards the end of the week. And that's going to go back into your meal planning. So say we have mushrooms and carrots. Mushrooms are going to go bad sooner than carrots are going to go bad. So you want mushrooms this week, that's great. Just make sure you eat them within the first couple of days of buying them. And then your carrots can go towards the, towards the end of the week because they'll be fine in the crisper drawer. Awesome. That's great advice. And um, what about, so do you recommend when, like one of the things that I started doing when I buy my produce, that it all goes into the sink, it all gets cleaned at once. And then, because I already know what I'm going to make with it or what mm -hmm. I'm going to do with it. So then once I clean it, I'm prepping it. So it's already pre-ready to go into whatever recipe or snack uh, that I'm going to use. Do you recommend to do that? I'm actually the exact opposite. I buy all my produce <laughs> and I do not wash it until right before we use it. Okay. And there's, I, there's again, no right or wrong way to do it. Sometimes it's because I like having flexibility in my meal plan. I know what we're going to have each night, but I am a stickler for leftovers. I have, first, I have a small fridge, which is very bad for a food blogger, but I have a small <laughs> fridge. And leftover containers quickly take up the space in my fridge. So it's almost like, um, I like to joke with my friends that I have an allergy against leftover foods going to waste. So when our fridge gets full of these containers, I just, I draw a halt in the meal plan and I say, we're stopping and we're eating what we have until this gets to a more manageable level. And sometimes when I say we eat what we have, that could also mean extra rice gets put in the freezer. Like, Clearly, I made too much, and that's not a bad thing, but we're not going to eat it in the next day, so that needs to get put up. Or same thing for soups or even casseroles. You don't have to actually consume it that night, but you need to do something with it so it does not go in the trash can. And that's my, actually, not to derail myself, <laughs> my biggest money-saving tip is to eat the food you have. Because Americans, we waste um, up to 40% of the food we buy, it ends up in the trash can. So simply by eating the food you have, like you can't help but save money. And that has, like, that's nothing to do with shopping strategies. That has nothing to do with like anything else. That's just eating the food you have. So, so when it comes to like, produce not going bad and, and meal prepping and whatnot, I try not to do too much for those instances so we can eat what we've already cooked and not waste it. Um, and then sometimes if I, if I wash something early and I have to put a halt on the meal plan or our meal plans change, then I've noticed depending on what I've washed, sometimes it will cause it to go bad, like mushrooms. If you wash them too soon, they're now wet and they will go bad sooner than if you haven't washed them. So I'm also, I have you know two little kids so time is an issue. I don't have a whole lot of time to dedicate after shopping to washing it all and prepping it all and putting it away. So like there's no right or wrong answer. It just, it really depends on your family, your needs, your preferences. I think it would be great to open up my fridge and see everything washed clean and prepped. <laughs> I would need either a magic wand <laughs> or, or a fairy godmother or something to make it happen because it's I'm just not there in the season of life. <laughs> 
Did you know that many of us have symptoms of toxin overload in our bodies, but we don't even know it? Signs of a toxic overload could be headaches, fatigue, insomnia, skin issues like acne and psoriasis, and hormonal imbalances, and the list just keeps on going. But the problem I had, and I'm sure many of you have had, is how can you know how well you're managing your toxic risk? That's why I've put together a free toxic risk assessment that will help you discover what products might be contributing to your toxic symptoms and what small changes you can make to detox and cleanse your health. After you take the assessment, you're going to get my free toxic free home shopping guide. This is the easy button for finding the right products to shop for. These are the products I've been using in my home and the products I give my stamp of approval on. Take your free assessment now at amycarlson.com to get on the path of detoxing and cleansing your health. Hey, and it's, you know, we're empty nesters. So we are there, you know, so yeah. <laughs> for me, because grocery shopping is like, so not even on my list of things that I even want to do, then yeah. I, want, I want that task done and over with. As soon oh, as yeah, possible. I can. I totally understand. <laughs> So another thing that I struggle with is determining, you know, what can be frozen and then is good later versus what do we want to just have as a leftover, you know, because like you said, we just made more than what we could consume, which that's another issue that happens in our society today too, is I think yeah. we eat way too much food, but we uh, do. <laughs> you know, our servings are too large, but I, I struggle with that of what, you know, knowing what can I, what can I reasonably put in the freezer and expect that it's going to freeze okay. And that, you know, it will be good when I thought to have later. Yeah. So, you know, we could, I mean, there's really so much content there. We could do a whole <laughs> Other recording on just that, but for, I know, I know. Um, but from a high level perspective, um, grains, beans, meat, all that freezes really well. When we're talking leftover soups, are great. Uh, leftover pasta can be hit or miss. So if you want it to be um, like if it's already a, a messy casserole or like a lasagna, and you don't it doesn't need to look pretty when you reheat it, then freeze away. Um, if you're concerned about aesthetics, like if you're going to serve company, then I would recommend either making fresh pasta or to cook pasta al dente and then freeze it separately so it doesn't get mushy in the bag. Potatoes can sometimes be a problem because they're, they're just a starch. It's kind of the same thing as a piece of pasta. They break down in the soup bag. Um, but chilies freeze great. Stews freeze great. If you're unsure you will have greater success freezing something if it has already been cooked than if it has not been cooked yet. So if you do have leftovers in the freezer, you know, give it a shot. You could, this is also where if you want to intentionally cook more for the freezer, you can make dinner and then pull a small serving, like, like a two inch by two inch portion and put it in the freezer overnight and then thaw it the next day for lunch and see what happens. If the texture changes, then, then like all you've lost is a, is a two by two square of dinner and you only cooked the meal yesterday anyway. So now you know, okay, if I make this, either we need to eat all the leftovers or I need to not make as much. And, and that's kind of where a lot of the freezer cooking comes in. Yeah. Trial and error and, and, and seeing if you like it. 
Well, and, and that's, to me, kind of the whole kitchen aspect that I'm learning. I didn't start cooking until very recently. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I I had a son growing up and he, he will attest that I did not go to the grocery store. I did not cook. <laughs> I just was not, I worked, you know, 70 hours a week. It just wasn't, you know, something that we did. But yeah. Uh, uh, that, that it's such an opportunity for your creativity to come out in the, in the kitchen. And so I love your answer. Just try it, you know, and, yeah. and see what happens and, you know, see what you can do, you know, differently. Sometimes too, like pasta, like you said, al dente, uh, you know, if you can, knowing that like, when I cook this, I'm going to have too much taking the pasta separate from mm-hmm. whatever you're mixing it with and have those frozen separately versus versus Mm -hmm. putting them together. Absolutely. Love it. So seven years of blogging, I can guarantee our listeners can find so many of these topics on your blog and get all of those answers. So tell us about, um, you have four main pillars of eating real food on a real budget. And what did you say your budget was for a family of four each month? We're at $350 a month right now. That is insane to me. So talk <laughs> about what, what would be, you know, how do you divide that out into those four pillars? Yeah, so, um, well, my four pillars are mostly centered around saving money, not necessarily what we spend the money on. So I'll, I'll start with how we save the money. Um, and the first one I talked about just recently, and that was eating what you have. I, I really cannot stress that enough. We Perfect example, just last month, we did a pantry challenge, um, very impromptu. It was, it was a little bit of, I really don't feel like going to the grocery store today. Let me see what we can make at home. And uh, lo and behold, uh, we had plenty of food, which most families in America will. And um, we just ate what we already had dedicated for the whole week. And it's even still carrying on like right now. And so I'm reaping the benefits because I'm not spending as much at the grocery store I've already, I've already spent the money. And if I don't eat it, I'm either one throwing it in the trash can or I'm spending more money on more food that I'm not going to eat again. So eat what you have first and foremost. My second one would be like, as you mentioned, meal planning. Um, I know meal planning is like a no, no word for a lot of people. They, they feel like you say meal plan and it's like they're getting sent to the dreaded food thing. <laughs> They've lost all creativity. And, and that's not the case. A meal plan is simply writing down what you're going to have for your meals. And it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be a month long. It can be just like for the next couple of days. Um, and you can even start with just dinner. Like, okay, the next couple of months for dinner, we're going to do this. And I tell a lot of my students in my course, if you don't like the idea of this meal being for this day, then just write a list. Here are seven meals that I can make with what I have. And depending on the night is going to, that determines how I'm feeling. You know, if I'm feeling like fajitas, then it's going to be fajitas. If I'm feeling like, you know, pasta alfredo, then it's going to be pasta alfredo or whatever. The third one would be to shop in bulk. Um, now, if you're a smaller family, this won't necessarily make sense all the time because you're not going to want to buy maybe 10 pounds of spinach. Maybe you're not going to go through 10 pounds of spinach before it goes bad. But if you go through a lot of ground beef, or if you go through a lot of carrots, or if you like to make a lot of hummus, then you can buy chickpeas in bulk. So you want to 
take the concept of shopping in bulk and apply it to your situation where it does make sense. Instead of making excuses like, oh, that's not going to work. I can never eat it. And that's fine. Because we all, we all have situations where that's not going to apply to us. Right. And the reason you shop in bulk is because you can get better deals per pound. Um, this is no matter where you shop, whether that's Whole Foods or your local grocery store or it's Sprouts or Costco. If you buy the bigger packages um, or whether, I mean, and that can be of anything, the bigger packages of anything then it's going to be cheaper per ounce than it would be if you were to buy the smaller ones. So if you were to buy, you know, uh, like let's go back to spinach, the one pound containers of fresh spinach are cheaper per ounce than the five ounce packages of spinach. And a lot of people come back to me and they say, yeah, Tiff, but that's just 50 cents. And, I'm, and my response is, but that's 50 cents on one item. Now imagine if that was, that one item times 52 weeks, and you took that concept to 10 items or 15 items, you can see how quickly the savings adds up and it becomes um, like a snowball effect. We're, we did not follow Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, but we're huge fans of his just methodology and the, and the idea of getting that debt snowball paid up. It's the same concept with saving money. It's once you save a little bit here and a little bit there, it opens your eyes to how you can save even more. So highly recommend shopping in bulk. And then my last one would be shopping smarter. Um, be your own shopping advocate. The goal of the grocery store is to make money. They are a business. And, I, and there's a, a big asterisk here because every business is in business to make money. That's, that's their job, right? The owners have families, employees have families. We all work for companies who pay us and we have to feed ourselves too. But when it comes to the grocery store, they're going to market to you in such a way that encourages you to spend more than you need to, than you wanted to. And they're very, very good at what they do. So when you go to the grocery store, um, and I actually have some tips for this in, in my course, um, but you just, you have to be on your toes. You know, if anything, go with some earbuds and listen to some music and ignore all the smells because if those, you know, the bakery section of the, um, the freshly baked cookies, nobody goes to the grocery store and says, I feel like buying freshly baked cookies today. But you walk and you smell them and you smell the freshly baked bread and you're like, oh, that sounds good. And let me get this for the kids. And then you go to the produce and yes, you have your list, but you look at all the beautiful colors and you're like, let me try this and let me try that. So you always want to have a list. You always want to shop with your blinders on. Never take a sale at face value. So just, I mean, which means don't assume it's a good deal. You need to do your research before you assume it's a good deal. Um, and like I said, you just need to be your own advocate when you go grocery shopping. That's, I, I, I highly agree with all of that. And, um, excuse me, many of the stores are notorious for having all of the little taste centers, you know, set up within, and it's like, you can get caught up in that. My husband will joke. So what store can we go to and get our lunch today? <laughs> right? Yes. 
My dad jokes too. He likes to shop at Costco on Saturdays because that's when they have all the fun samples out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and sometimes they're, you know, not the best things. Well, most times they're, they're very yeah. <laughs> for us. What great ideas. And I love this. Now talk to me about this, you know, cause you were talking about the snowball effect of saving money, because I want to talk a little bit, um, about becoming debt-free in that two years. I know it doesn't have to do anything about frugal meal planning, but it's Mm -hmm. important, you know, for people to understand that you can make the healthier choices and do a healthier lifestyle and still financially be fiscally responsible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, can you repeat the question for me? Well, I'm not really (laughs) sure there was a question. (laughs) I I wasn't sure if I missed it or... (laughs) Sometimes I just talk. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) Me too. You said that you and your husband got debt free within two years. Yeah. So I've got to assume this was a portion of it. But do you want to go in a little bit further on that? Because again, I want our audience to understand that just because we choose to live a healthier lifestyle does not mean we can't be fiscally responsible. Right. Yeah. So so it started with. It started with the grocery budget, right? We just said, we're not going to spend any more than this. And when that first month of grocery shopping, knowing we had capped our spending, um, which is very different, even though we didn't spend any more, it was just knowing you couldn't spend more kind of made it weird. <laughs> um, we started looking at other areas of where we were spending money too, like um, gas in our vehicles. Um, going out to eat was a big one. Personal care items cleaning items, if it wasn't, if that line item wasn't um, like nailed to the ground, like a mortgage would be or the car payment, we looked at it and we were like, how in the world can we make this less? And so our grocery budget, it started there, but the principles spilled over into, well, let's consolidate our, our driving, like whatever the driving was, let's consolidate wiser with how we're spending our gas. So multiple trips in in the one day back to back rather than, you know, store home, library home, things like that. Um, My husband was uh, driving a 50 mile commute at the time. And so it would be like, hey, can you pick this up on your way home? Um, And so he did that. Uh, Cleaning items. We started making our own cleaning items from scratch. We did the same thing with personal care items. We started making our own toothpaste. We started looking at how we could get away with um, not washing our hair. And I say, I say not washing, but I really mean not using shampoo, looking at more alternative, more natural ways. And it, it again, it just it snowballed. You know, when you spend, instead of spending, you know, five to $6 on a tube of toothpaste, that probably isn't that good for you anyway. And you invest it into something natural like bentonite clay, and you use the clay um, to brush your teeth. Not only does it do a better job, um, but the clay is non-toxic, and that one tub of clay will last you forever. And so, instead of you know five dollars a month for easy math and sixty dollars a year, we are now spending five dollars every six months, and so that's fifty bucks on just toothpaste. Right. But I mean, that can extend to imagine $50 on shampoo and $50 on conditioner, $50 on body soap and shaving cream and 
razors. And I bet if any woman went to their um, bathroom and their personal care drawers and just looked <laughs> at the number of products they had, Thousands. you'd be amazed. Oh, yeah. You'd be amazed at how much money you truly can save if you consolidated a little bit. Like, for example, we eliminated, uh, what was it? I eliminated facial, a face moisturizer and switched to using coconut oil and essential oils. Now the coconut oil I already had in my pantry from grocery shopping. And you don't really, I mean, gosh, you use so little. I can't, I can't like what, an eighth of a teaspoon. So it wasn't even making a dent in any budget. And now all of a sudden I was not spending money on this very expensive face moisturizer. And the same thing for washing our, washing our face and washing our bodies. We found, um, I have very sensitive skin and my whole life I've been using acne treatment type of face washes, which are not cheap. And I was introduced to a company that makes a wonderful goat milk soap. And I, they reached out to me and said, Hey, you want to give it a try? I said, sure. And I, um, let me tell you this, that day. It was like my face gave me a hug. It was the best thing ever. And it was so gentle that I was spending less on a bar of soap than I was on the acne of soap. We learned how to stretch it for our face, for our body, for our hair. And now we had one bar for $5 or so per month versus the shampoo and conditioner and face wash times, you know, eight, $9 each a month times four people. I mean, the savings just, it radically adds up when you, when you just start, when you no longer take it for face value, when you start thinking outside of the box of, well, really, truly, how can I save money here? All of a sudden it's like the world opens up and you have so many opportunities. Well, and and I think some people also don't realize, because for me, when I got into this world, I Mm -hmm. thought, well, if I'm not buying this and this and this, then either A, I'm going to stink, or I'm going to, you know, it, it just to me was like, I don't know what the concept was, but, but it's, it's not. There's so much marketing that is happening to mm-hmm. us that we think we absolutely have to have these things. I want to finish this um, conversation as we're wrapping up, and I want to ask the question, I know everything that you did was based upon budget, and it was all to save money, but I would like to ask the question, how does your family feel? You know, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, because making a lot of the changes that you made are things that we do in order to live a toxin-free lifestyle. And I can't, um, I got to imagine that you have more energy. And, you know, so that's my question is, you know, are you seeing those results? We, we absolutely are. We, we all sleep great. So my kids are now, as of this recording, 10 and 12. We've been doing this a while. We all sleep great. You know, we have hit early puberty stages. So naturally there are some hormone changes, but I hear so many horror stories and I call them horror stories because the, the looks on my friend's faces when they're like, Oh my daughter. And, and you know what, we're not, we don't, we're not experiencing them. Um, I really believe that getting rid of the 
harmful ingredients in our food and the harmful ingredients in our cleaning and beauty products has allowed our bodies to do what our bodies were created to do so much better and so much more efficiently. We have tons of energy. My hair, it's up right now, so you can't see it, but my hair has never been so shiny. It grows like a weed. If you were to look at pictures of me um, just a year ago, my hair was like short and it's grown down to here in a year, way, including haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> haircuts. And my friends are like, how is your hair growing so long? My nails don't break anymore. Um, I, I still, well, I probably will always consider myself to have sensitive and acne prone skin, but my breakouts are not nearly as frequent as they used to be and not nearly as bad. That's they're like, I can count on one hand and it's because of my monthly cycle, which I know it's a hormonal thing and that's okay. It's just the, I mean, if you can think about too, we, we haven't been sick until this year. I don't know what's going around this year, but it hit us this year. But for the past five, we haven't been sick. There have been no sick days. There have been, you know, maybe a cough, but like everybody gets a cough. Everybody gets a runny nose. Nobody missed school. Nobody missed work. I never had to cancel play dates or appointments to say, I'm sorry, you know, we're contagious. We can't come. We haven't missed church. We haven't gone to the doctor to, because something was wrong in ages. Like I, my son busted his lip on a mailbox. And other than that, I can't remember the last time we've gone to the doctor and granted me this. And I'm, yeah. And all these changes, you don't, you don't feel the effect of the changes right away. Maybe you'll notice you fit into your clothes a little bit better, or maybe you'll notice, Hey, my skin looks a a little bit brighter. Um, But it's not until you, you do this for a while and the compound effort that you really start to see the payoff. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't want to say it takes years. I mean, we've been doing it years, but the payoffs, you could see them within a few months. Right. You know, I, I just mean you're not going to see it overnight. Right. <laughs> I, I truly believe, I mean, for me, when I got started in this world, there were some things that happened overnight for me. Um, oh. One of the big things was I had so many menopause, you know, symptoms happening. So I was able to find some things that naturally help balance those hormones. And, and the oh, effect wonderful. was, you know, pretty immediate. Or, well, it was immediate. And that's what sold me on getting into the natural lifestyle. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. I'm 12 years fighting this. How cook me up? You know? yeah, sign me up, right? <laughs> yeah, get, me, get me going here. So, it, but one of the things that you talked about you know, when we're talking about a frugal living and living within your means and having a budget mm-hmm. is, you know, you haven't been to the doctor other than well care, um, you know, for things for years. That is a huge savings on a family. Huge. When you're not yeah. constantly going to the doctor. Um, and I don't know how premiums are working, but <clears throat> they used to work that you know, the more you used your insurance, this is healthcare too, not just your car insurance, the higher the premium goes, the more mm-hmm. escalated your annual renewals are going to become. So, you know, the savings are all the way around on that. They absolutely are. And even for the families who say, oh, it's no big deal. It's just a $20 copay. You know, that's still 20 bucks. It like, is. Grow on trees. That's coming out of your bank account. So if you were able to say, take that $20 and invest it into some natural alternatives or into natural products where instead of fighting the top 
food, your body is now able to absorb the nutrients and just be healthy, then, then it's absolutely worth that 20 bucks. Absolutely. So listeners, you can get a hold of Tiffany at don'twastethecrumbs.com. That is her main uh, website. And through there, you'll be able to find all of these past blogs written in any topic that you would like to research. We will put show notes up for you have the grocery budget boot camp runs twice a year, you said. Yes, ma'am. Twice a year. And that is where I teach the exact system I use to keep our food budget at $350 a month for the four of us. My step-by-step system. I teach that myself in the course, which is why it's only twice a year because it's a lot of time on my end. I don't, I, I want to see my readers and my students succeed. And so I'm heavily invested into this training for them. So I'm, but I'm also a mom and a wife and there's only so many hours to go around. So it's twice a year. I love that. How long is that like a month long or? It's eight weeks. Eight weeks. weeks. Okay. Yeah. 13 lessons in eight weeks. So you can, um, through don'twastethecrumbs.com, you can sign up and be on the wait list to be notified when it's open. And it is a quick eight weeks, but I promise you will, it will change your life. Yep. And I'll have a link um, that we'll post into uh, the page, uh, the show notes for that. And in, in, in my group, I'll, I'll post that up to when the, when the show airs. Um, yeah. And then you talked about challenges that you do. So do you have a Facebook group that people can find you? Um, we and- do. We do. So the Facebook group is called Real Food Reboot. And you can go to Facebook and search for it there. There's also links to that at don'twastethecrumbs.com. Um, And we do a challenge once a quarter. It's kind of like hitting the reset button because it doesn't really matter if you've been doing this for six months or six years or 60 years, you will find that even being diligent, things still come into your home that you weren't expecting or like we talked about seasons of busy seasons. And and sometimes we learn to rely on uh, maybe a package of something that we normally would make from scratch. And then that package becomes a habit. And so sometimes we just need to hit that reset button. And that's what Real Food Reboot is for. I love that. Any final thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with? Sure. Um, Two. One, going back, I really want to reiterate what we talked about earlier with even small steps in the right direction is still progress. So I don't want anybody to feel like if they're not you know, if they're not buying grass-fed beef and drinking raw milk and kombucha and making all the things from scratch, that if they're not doing that, they're not good enough because that's not true. Um, if you make a small switch from instead of, instead of Doritos this week, I'm going to buy apples. That is a win. Celebrate that win, run with it, and don't beat yourself up over all the other things because this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And then my second thought is, Budget is king. And I, and I repeat this, I say budget is king. Budget is king over and over again to my students because if you are truly trying to live a healthy life on a budget, you cannot do it without the budget. The numbers speak first. And so always start with numbers. And that, that doesn't mean, um, I guess I should say what I mean by that is, is have the budget in the first place. Know what you're working with. And that can help guide some of the decisions you have to make 
later. Because if you say, if you go to the store without a budget, then you're not going to meet your budget. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Exactly. And <clears throat> I encourage people to journal, journal things out, keep a little um, spiral notebook where you can just write, you know, or just look at your checkbook. Most people are just using their debit cards, you know, credit cards. Mm -hmm. That's an easy access to be able to take a month's worth of expenditures and figure out where your money is going so that you mm -hmm. can have a budget. You can't just arbitrarily assign a $350 budget to your food if yeah. that's not what you've been spending. Or right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't just say, oh, I'm going to do it too because Tiffany does it. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't don't do that. We, you know, going back to we are all in different places. We all have different starting points. So each person needs to figure out their own starting point based on where they currently are. Absolutely, Tiffany. Thank you so much. I know you've provided so much value to our listeners and answered and debunked the myth that living healthy has to be expensive. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. It was a pleasure. That's all for this episode of The Toxin Terminator. And we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health. If you're looking to continue your journey towards full rejuvenation, reach out to Amy directly by visiting amycarlson.com for your own one-on-one -on -one chat session, as well as your free toxic risk assessment. That's A-I-M-E-E carlson.com. And remember, you are just one small change away from renewed health.